Is that what I'm saying? Rough Trade Radio. 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 How's that? Welcome to a shoplifting session with uh, the greatest motherfucker you're ever going to meet, Mr. John Grant. <laughs> Hello. Um, how are you doing? I'm great. great. I'm just happy to see you. I'm very happy to see you. I got a lovely hug from you last night. Oh. They're always my favourite. Oh, thank you. And um, you were here to DJ for Cozy Fanny Tutti's book launch, weren't you? I was. That was great set. A blast. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm trying to I'm trying to put it together so that I can um, put it out on the inner tubes for people <laughs> to look at. Yeah, that would be good, actually. Mm. I'd like to get a track listing, too, because you were playing loads of good stuff and I never got a chance to say, what's this? What's this? Okay, cool. Um, so pleasure. have you got any records that you want to play from that set maybe last night? Did you pick any out? Ooh, that's a that's a good idea. How's that for a kickoff? How's that for a twig in my spokes? <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Can I think about it for a second, though? Yeah, you can think. I'm about it. I'm afraid that I must. You should. Yeah, I will. You I'm do going it. to. You'll see. <laughs> so normally, I I say normally. I've only ever done two podcasts, and they're specials with writers, and I tend to be a bit lazy and just uh, get other people to ask me, send in questions for me to ask the person who I'm doing the podcast with. Mm. So I just did this once for this one because um, I've only got a question from Will Burns. Ah, uh, not you know, the Will Burns. The Will Burns, that Good famous Lord. poet that you, um, you read one of his poems for the 40th yeah. anniversary book, yeah. which was amazing. Um, he but, is a lovely man, and that's the bad news about him. <laughs> and that ain't bad news, is it? Well, he's got a question for you, and it's all about language. So I thought you mm. speaking German then was kind of a good connection okay. and, and uh, lead into that. So, well, you know I love to talk about language. Yes. You're a very great linguist, aren't you? Mm, I'm okay. You are. Yeah. Anyway, so... Will said, I'd like to ask John, as an artist who has lived in a few different places, does he think his listening and reading habits in those different landscapes have changed with a psychogeographic aspect? Or does he think any changes in what sort of art he is interested in come down merely to what different people and work he is being exposed to? Mm, that's an interesting question, but I'm afraid it's a little bit too easy to answer because I feel like my, my ability to focus has been completely destroyed by the Internet. Okay. Because I it like happens. To, yeah. Well, it, I mean, I think it's happening a lot these days, and I think people are just—I think people are really becoming cognizant of that and and talking about it, and you know, doing retreats where there's no access to internet and stuff. But I think mm. you really have to make the decision to keep that shit out of your bedroom. Yeah. You know, um, and I, it's very difficult for me to do because there's nothing I love to do more than just surf the internet and look at you know commercials from the '70s that you know. What kind I of commercials are you talking about? You know, like the 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 commercial for the product. Gee, your hair smells terrific. <laughs> Have you ever heard of that shampoo? <laughs> no, no, but it There's, sounds there good. There was a shampoo in the seventies called Gee, your hair smells terrific. Why don't they make that now? I think they do still have it. 
Really? They do still make it. Yeah, you can get it in the States still. Okay. And you probably can find it in London as well, I would mm. imagine. But um, so, you know, looking at old, you know, and I, and I love to like surf eBay looking for pictures to hang up in my studio, like stills from horror movies and, you know, lobby cards. You know, you know what lobby cards are? They're like the stills from the movies that they would put in the lobby of cinemas. Oh, okay. In little yeah, frames. Yeah, yeah. They'd make a little, you know, a little um, collage of mm-hmm. scenes from the movie. Yeah. And those photos then they would give to the employees or they but they've, you know, a lot of them have ended up on eBay, you know, in the in these times. And uh, I love to look for stuff like that and you know, Godzilla paraphernalia and old um uh you know, eighties arcade Atari you know, artwork and stuff like that, you know, from the from the old, like you can get pieces from the old cabinets from these stand-up arcade games that you can make light boxes out of and, you know, just delight yourself to no end. It's it's ridiculous. Have you I'm, made light boxes out of any of them? I'm about to from the, from the game called Tempest, which is one of my favorite. Uh, <sighs> Centipede, Millipede, and Tempest are my top favorites. They're all Atari. From the early 80s and Tempest is just the coolest thing ever you sort of navigate your way around the perimeter of ge- uh, geometric shapes and uh, shoot the aliens that are coming sort of 3d at you from the center and getting bigger as they come out towards the edge and this was like 79 when this came out so okay. it was it was quite uh, progressive at the time and and very very cool but I have to say that it hasn't um, it's in, its beauty has not been diminished by time for me. It's really incredible, and the sounds, the synth sounds that come out of the game. Yeah, that's what I one of the things that I love so much about it. You know, because they're so cool and exciting and fresh, and I always love to think about how they were made. And and um, I still don't know, but um, but you can kind of hear that in some of your music as well. Yes, yes, absolutely, and you're probably going to hear more and more of it. Mm. Because I think it's part of my musical DNA, those sounds, you know. Um, and so, you know, I'm doing this. I'll, I, I can think of millions and millions of things to look at all night long. And even if you can't, you can just get lost on YouTube. Yeah. So I find myself staying up till 3 and 4 in the morning. And you just can't do that. I mean, I can't do that at my age. You can do it when you're younger and get away with it for mm. a while. But, you know, at my current age, it's not as easy. you got to get your sleep or else you're fucked everything else is fucked and so um i'm you know trying to figure out what to do about that but i you know coming back to will's question i think that um i think what has affected me most is definitely the internet and access to the internet because you know like we're talking about language here yeah i love to read things in other languages you can read the newspaper in russian you know you can read the new york times in spanish on the internet if you want to because they have a button you can read it in chinese or spanish you know they do it in those in those two languages these days and um so it's just endless you know linguistic porn out there for you on the internet so how many different languages do you actually speak well i speak german and russian um quite fluently did you live in russia i I didn't live in russia but i lived in germany uh, for six years going to you know german university and studying russian at the university there and then i went and um spent a little time in the northern ukraine and um with a family that didn't speak much English at all. Well, basically zero. So you had to speak. So you had to speak Russian. Yeah. And, um, you know, this was a section of the Ukraine where everybody speaks Russian. So um, 
as you know, that situation these days has become very complicated and there's a civil war going on there. And it, you know, it's, it's very, very interesting, all this, you know, who, who identifies there as a Russian and who identifies as Ukrainian. And, you know, if you identify as Russian, then you're the enemy and the Ukrainians are, you know, trying to stand up for their language. And the Russians are saying, oh, that's not even a real language, Ukrainian, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very strange situation. But, you know, I spent time <clears throat> in a Russian speaking place and that really, really helped my studies. But, you know, I probably never got to the, the level of fluency or I can, you know, guarantee I never got to the level of fluency in Russian that I did in German. Because if you live, if you go, if you study, at a, study in the German language at a university in Germany, of course, it's just going to pound your skills into perfection over the course of years. But I, I speak, um, you know, Russians would say that I speak Russian fluently, and um, I am, I am very good at it. But it's, it's, you know, the older I get, the the less. Um, malleable your brain is. My brain's not as soft as it used to be. I mean, I started studying Russian when I was 19 or 20, and now I'm, I'm, I'll turn 49 this year and be 50 Never. next year. Yeah. I'll you're be 50 good. next year. I mean, can you believe that? I can't believe I it. can't believe you're going to be 50 next year. I can't either. It's insane. Looking at you right now. Well, thank you. No way. Well, I look in the mirror and I'm just like, this looks like just a kid to me still. But... um I'll probably pull a Dick Clark, you know, in a couple of years and like age 25 years and, <laughs> and you know, in, in 10 minutes or something, you know, one week. I'm sure and that Anton won't happen. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So, but you, so you speak Russian, you speak German. Yeah. And then there's Spanish. I Spanish. speak quite well. And you speak French quite well as well, don't you? My French is okay. It's, I mean, when, uh, when we had you um, do the rough trade on tour in Paris, mm-hmm. I think, was it 2013 maybe? Mm-hmm. That something one? like that. And we had you with Agnes B and Pedro Winter from Ed Banger. And there was you and you were on Radio France Mm -hmm. and you were speaking fluent French. I wasn't. You didn't didn't have a translator. No, but it might it might have sounded like that. I can um, I can put on a good show because (laughs) because, you know, when you when you study to be to, you know, study to be an interpreter or um, a translator, which is what I was doing in Germany. Right. I mean, you. You know, you can you can do a lot with with the little that you know. And my French is is very very limited, but it has a very solid foundation. It could be really good. And I'm hoping in the next couple of years, um, I want to take little, um, you know, language vacations to do a course. I want to get my Spanish to the level that it, I know it could be, and French as well. And um, I'm constantly working on Russian, and then there's Icelandic as well that I've been learning for the last five years. That's the hardest one that I've ever tackled. Right. But when you, I've heard you say some words. I mean, I don't know what they Mm -hmm. mean, and you might not even be saying them correctly as far as I'm concerned, but whenever you say them, they sound beautiful. Yeah. Well, I think the things that I, the things that you have to say on a daily basis, those are the things that become, that you you can really sound like a native when you say those things because, you know, excuse me. Give, give me can a, I have one of those? Can I have an iced latte or whatever? You've been saying that every day for years so can, now. So can you ask for an iced latte in Icelandic for us? Yeah. Um, get your finger coffee bottle me me klaka. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Will you menta? Yeah. Will. Yeah. Get I'm just thinking about the different ways you could say it because there's so many different ways to say it. But usually we'd say get your finger coffee bottle me klaka. And somebody was telling me the other day that I say klaka wrong because I was saying it as if it had two Ks in the middle, which would be klaka. Okay. Instead of klaka. But klaka is ice. And uh, 
Ну, дайте, пожалуйста, кофе со льдом. Would be Russian for latte. Вот дайте, пожалуйста, латте со льдом. Вау. Should we just turn this into a language podcast? Yeah. Just leave the music out of it. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and in Germany, you have to say latte, latte macchiato. Latte macchiato. Because it's like your pronunciation on all of it. You can, you can, this is the thing that I think I would struggle with yeah. a lot, mm -hmm. is the pronunciation in, in so many different languages. Yeah. That you're, well, you know. Do you, do you get confused when you're. Don't get it twisted, lady. Yeah. Some days it's really difficult, you know. <laughs> But uh, no, it's some days I, your brain just gets twisted up into a pretzel and you're, and you're you pronouncing Russian with a Spanish accent and, and, you know, you just have to stop and go back to what you know and give it a rest for a while. Usually it's when you're tired. You yeah. Know? You know, you get tired and then, you, but I find, you know, that now that I'm older, your your language center shut, shuts down at a quite an early age. And with me, it seems to have not happened because I remember people telling me that there was no way I could possibly be speaking German with no accent, with no American accent, or, mm. you know, be speaking like a German, having started at the age I started at, which was 17, 16 or 17, because your language center shuts down around 17 and there's just no way that you can lose that accent. Well, that didn't happened to me i was able to you know reach native fluency with no accent but now that i'm older it, it's it doesn't quite work that way anymore i'm i'm sort of i'm able to retain what i have if i work at it but it slips away very quickly especially with so many languages to do upkeep in yeah you know and they get really rusty and You just can't think like that all the time in five different languages you know what would this be in all other five languages yeah you know? And I'm really fascinated by Dutch and, you know, it's Flemish, the Flemish version of Dutch, which, which I really love. Um, it's a very strange and interesting and, to, to my ear, beautiful language. It's funky and weird and just very, very interesting to me. And then um, I love the Scandinavian languages as well. You and know? you lived in Sweden. I lived in while, Sweden for a bit and I was deep into learning Sweden. But, you know, that's where I found out I had you know, HIV, and it was, you know, it was a dark, in January, it was dark winter, finding out that you have this deadly disease. And so I sort of, that sort of caused a mental, you know, sort of my, I guess some sort of defense mechanism goes into place. And, and, yeah. and I'm getting over it, you know, I still love Swedish and Sweden and, and the beautiful people I met there. But I just sort of find that in my brain, my brain wants to avoid that subject and that language because... Because you associate it with Because that it's news. associated with that news and coming to terms with it, you know, so... Yeah. That's sort of interesting as well. It seems stupid. You know, it doesn't make sense. It makes sense emotionally and, you know, being a human and all, but, you know, when you look at it, it's like, well, you know, the Swedish language didn't do that to you, you know. Yeah. But it's connected, you know, so... Um, Yeah, it's very interesting. And I love um, Japanese. With, Do you speak any Japanese? I, I don't, really. Um, I, you know, I speak a couple of words, you know, that everybody knows, you know, when you go there and say, excuse me, sumimasen, sumimasen. And, but they have, you know, a whole different way of, they have very short syllables. They have very um, different way of, obviously, of pronouncing um, vowels. And it's different to every other language, you know. Mm. For example... Um, just an, an example from Icelandic, for, exam for example, uh, to say everywhere, the word or the, the concept of everywhere yeah. in Icelandic. Um, you say ut um alt, yavar 
Utumalt. Well, that has two different U's in it. First, the ut, which means out. It means out around everything, basically. Okay. You know, out around everything, which means everywhere. Yeah. And so ut, and then you have right away another word that starts with a U, the second word, um, and that's a different, that's u instead of u. A totally different U. So that completely fucks me up every time. And it's very difficult for me to say. I have to, you know, I have to say it over and over and over at night or when I'm on my own to, mm. to be able to say that. Because your brain doesn't want to look at two, the letter U's, and then have that vowel mean something completely different in the word that comes next. Yeah. Because your brain is seeing a U, but um, it's not the same sound. And that really, at this age that I'm at... I don't think that was any sort of problem for me when I was younger, and now it is a problem. And and Icelandic, they say, is one of the, is probably they say it's one of the very hardest languages for English-speaking people to okay. learn. And I don't know what the specifics of that are. I'm sure it has to do with the phonetics, but also the way the grammar's set up. You have you know 120 possible forms for every adjective in Icelandic which is mind-boggling for most people, but then there's you know, feminine, masculine, and neutral forms of the adjective because mm-hmm. it has to match the noun right. and the gender of the noun. And then there's you know, the, um, the regular form of the adjective. Um, I always forget what that's called in grammatic speak, in gram- uh, grammar speak, but then you have the comparative and, and the superlative, and then you have you know, uh, strong forms of the adjective and weak forms of the adjective based on whether the noun has an indefinite article, a, like a horse, or the definite article, the horse. Maybe that this changes. could be a series. We could have language lessons with John yeah. Grant. <laughs> that would be amazing. You know? <laughs> would you like that? I would. Maybe I would. we can try and set that up. Yeah, that would be fun. Okay, cool. Um, Do you think maybe we should um, pick a record to play now? Yeah, let's do that. What do you, what would you, you've, you know, I, I, I woke up I woke up feeling a little bit melancholy today, okay. which will come as a huge surprise <laughs> to anybody that knows me. Um, you know, they just put out, they just did a re-release of the Twin Peaks um, Fire Walk With Me film soundtrack, mm-hmm. the score to that. And the new series um, is coming soon. And the new series is coming soon, and I'm very, very excited about How that. How excited on a, on, a, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most excited are you? Probably thirteen. <laughs> thirteen. Yeah, and then there's and then but then there's that little whatever it is sitting on my shoulder saying, You should probably go with nine because what if you're disappointed? Because mm. you shouldn't really expect anything because then if it's horrible you know, because if Lara Flynn Boyle isn't there, maybe the whole maybe a wormhole will open up in your living room and Who's you'll disappear. your favorite character in the original series? Um oh gee, who was my favorite character? I don't know. I really don't know. I have to think for a second. Probably, um, I can't remember what her name was, but the the woman with the, um, the woman played by Grace Zabriskie, who was freaking out about her curtains at home. No, that wasn't that wasn't Grace. Grace was uh, Laura's mother, I think. Yeah, she was the one who was freaking out with her curtains. I think wasn't it Laura no, Palmer's mum? No, it no? was it was the woman that had the patch over her eye. Oh yeah yeah remember? yeah yeah yeah. But I I'm not her. I'm not a you know I'm not. I was in Germany. I was studying in Germany oh, really? when this was a huge phenomenon in the States. Mm. And I got the soundtrack and, the, and you know, completely freaked out over that baritone guitar mm-hmm. in the, the theme music. Been listening to that ever since. Can't stop. 
So are we going with the, the theme tune? No, we're not. Oh, okay. We're going to gonna... go with um, the track that introduced me to the incredible Jimmy Scott, who I think, who died just last year or the year before. Or maybe it was this year. I don't remember. Sorry. Don't know anything. But Jimmy Scott just recently passed away. And this was the soundtrack that introduced me to his incredible voice. And the song is called Sycamore Trees. And it's one of the most beautiful things you'll ever hear. Sigamore Dream 
Should um, we talk about your friend Oleg? Sure. Because you've got a gig coming up, haven't you, on the second yeah. of May in the Union Chapel? I do, and it's a uh, you know every all the money from that, all the proceeds from that are going to go to my friend and who I met in Ukraine when I was studying Russian in Germany. I thought this yeah. must be the connection. It is okay. indeed, and you know when I went to Germany in 1988, we took a field trip to East Germany. So I was there in East Germany right before the wall fell. Wow. And I met, um, we met a group of Red Army soldiers on the street there. And the guy who seemed to be the leader of the group, they had their big, you know, Russian hats on and their wool coats that went all the way down to the ankles. Mm -hmm. They were, they were incredibly beautiful. They had incredible uniforms on and you know, we were a bunch of Americans. There was a bunch of American girls with us. You know, so they 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 weren't really allowed. They they weren't allowed to talk to us. But they came over and you know were interested in our girls. And I had just started learning Russian. I was just learning the alphabet and a few words. I just started studying it in Heidelberg, in Germany. And um, the leader of the packs was this guy who seemed to be super charismatic, and he had a a super beautiful smile on his face. You know. And uh, he was very, very friendly, and I thought that was cool. And I told him that I had just started studying Russian, you know, just with my tiny little pieces of Russian that I had at that point. And turned out his name was Oleg, which is Oleg. Um, I guess is how we say it in English. It sounds horrible in English to me. Yeah, in me, American maybe English. we should just say it the right way then. <laughs> yeah, Oleg. Okay. Which sounds much lovelier, but yes. people won't recognize that name. Mm. So O L E G, Oleg, and. Um, he and I exchanged addresses at that moment, which was probably against the law for him to do as well. Wow, okay. Being in the Red Army, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we started a, um, a pen pal. Um, correspondence. Correspondence. And uh, wrote each other for three years. And, and then three years into that, I received an invitation from his family to come and visit and stay with them in the northern Ukraine where he was from, which was totally Russian speaking. And that was, uh, in Russian, it was called Chernigov, Chernigov, and, and now in Ukrainian, it's called Chernihiv. And um, I went there two years in a row for about like 10 weeks, six weeks to 10 weeks uh, each time. And the first time I went there... Um, I had only met him, you know, and I took a uh, a train from uh, Heidelberg to Berlin and then Berlin to Kiev. And it was like stepping back into time into these wooden cars and getting the the cups of tea with the silver with the silver cup holders and the glass, you know, an actual glass. Okay, yeah. You know, inside the silver cup holder. It was like something out of a period movie, mm. you know. It was absolutely horrifying and incredible for me. I'd never seen anything like it. And, you know, you go into the, what I didn't know was that there was, um, they were going to put a, um, that there was no dining car on the train. And it was a, it was like a two day journey. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It was like what a, would, what were they expecting? You well, to, you, well, do, everybody you knows be, that. Okay, everybody so knows that. So you have that. to come prepared. So you have to come prepared. So the people in my, in my, um, compartment took care of me. And, and offered me some of their food, and I, you know, was inter- introduced to, you know, chicken floating in aspic in a in a mason <laughs> jar and stuff like that. That really freaked me out at the time. But um, you survived. I survived, and um, I had an amazing, mind-blowing experience in Ukraine with these people. You know, Oleg had a couple of friends, Sergey and Zhenya, 
Um, and I, we hung out, the three of us hung out together all the time and listened to music. I brought a few albums with me. I think I had Az- Mazzy Star. Okay. Um, she Hangs Brightly, that first record had mm-hmm. just come out. And I was, you know, freaking out about that. And maybe some Dead Can Dance or Cocteau Twins or, you know, stuff like that. Things that I love. And um, it was it was really one of the most incredible times of my life. I got uh, got along quite well with his family as well. He was he lived with his parents um, in a tiny little apartment in one of those high rise, you know, Soviet block things. Um, and I got along. The father, his name was Victor, and he was quite amazing. Um, and I remember, you know, hanging out with him in the park in the autumn and reading Pushkin out loud to practice my pronunciation and skills. And he was so patient with me, and and it was a, a really incredible. They just took me in as one of the family. Um, <clears throat> so you're raising some money for him, aren't you? On- yeah, well, I, I did that two years in a row. And then he and I, over the course of the next 20 years, we lost touch with each other. Because, you know, when I went back to the States in 95, this was 91 and 92 mm-hmm. when, when he and I, when I went to Ukraine. And then when I went back uh, to the States from Germany in 94, it was a year before my mother died and then, you know, life gets in the way and, and you know, there was no, it was all letter writing, of course, still. And, you know, I just was quite lazy and was caught up in, you know, reacclimating to being in the States again and um, you know, death of your mother and, you know, just big things mm-hmm. like that. And so we lost um, touch and then we found each other. He found me. I'd been looking for him, but he was under another name on Facebook, so I couldn't find him. He finds me on Facebook 20 some years later. Okay. And I find out that, you know, um, Victor has died of a heart attack because he was in one of the cleanup crews from Chernobyl. Right. And, um, the family was unable to prove, of course, that, that it was because of Chernobyl that he had his heart attacks and that, that he eventually succumbed to them because his health was ruined by that. So they won't give him any money because of that. So they're sort of surviving on about 100 bucks a month. And Oleg has uh, kidney failure. It's like it's called glomerulonephritis. Glomerulonephritis. I don't really know how to pronounce that correctly. But um, he's been tied to a dialysis machine for over 10 years now and, you know, can't leave that city. Yeah. And he's taking care of his mother as well. She even had a stroke while I was there. So I went and visited them after 25 years um, this last November. And it's just, it's a brutal existence. Yeah. But, you know, Alek has never asked me for anything, ever. Yeah. Not once neither his mother nor his father or, and uh, well his father you know like I said has died since and his mother is in poor health and she has stroke and th- they don't have the money to get a stent for her heart and he doesn't have uh, and there's laws in the Ukraine that you can't get um, a transplant from somebody who's not in your family your immediate family um, so there's really no way for him to get a kidney there so he has to go somewhere else to get a kidney if he even has a chance to survive. And when he first went into the hospital, the hospital gave him hepatitis C from some sort of, you know, um, contaminated needle or something. So they added that to that, to his already, you know, huge problem of the glomerulonephritis. And, and so he's in a very, very difficult spot. And I just, you know, I see myself, you know, I've got, um, you know, prancing around the world doing my music and having a good time and having all these incredible things. And I just keep thinking about my friend there in this place who is 
struggling to, you know, make it from one day to the next. And I, I just felt like I had to do something, you know, mm-hmm. even though I'm totally, I don't feel like I'm doing enough. You can go insane thinking like that though. You know, yeah. you just got to do what you can, but I'm, I'm really, you are really doing something. I am doing something. I am going to do this concert for him. And, you know, I have a campaign going on. Um, what's the name of the, um, the website? I'm so retarded. Um, the name of the website, uh, it's called A Kidney for Oleg, um, my campaign, my fundraiser, and it's on, uh, I believe it's called Give Forward. And it's, um, it's a place where you can donate to um, Alieg. I'm trying to raise $80,000 because, you know, getting a kidney, there's no insurance involved in any of this. So you basically have to go to a different country and then, you know, spend fifty to $100,000 getting a kidney transplant. And his liver is shot too because of the hepatitis C. So it's just getting worse and worse. Yeah. But I just felt like I have to do something um, so that has him and his mother can have some quality of life. And it's a little drop in the bucket. And there's so many people, you know, you hear about the refugee situation all over the place and it just seems, but you can, you just got to concentrate on your little section of the world and what you can affect. Right. So um, I'm hoping that this will help him. Uh, him and his mother and and uh did you and oleg have a shared love of music at all oh yeah so maybe we could play a song for oleg then now if you want to choose one from your selection maybe Mm. yeah let's play or or a different one whatever you want you mentioned the cocteau twins earlier yeah um he really loves cocteau twins as well because I went over there and demanded that he love them. <laughs> Took some cocktail twins over there and was like, this is what you're going to be listening to. Um, let's, let's do Pink Orange Red. Okay. Which do is one of my top it? cocktail tracks. Yeah. No, это посвящено моему другу Олегу. Добрый день, дружище. Я тебя люблю очень даже. И скучаю по тебе очень. I'm just telling my friend that I love him and and that this song is dedicated to him and that I miss him. And um, this is the amazing track by Cocteau Twins, Pink, Orange, Red, from Tiny Dynamite.
I've been um, working with a band called Wrangler recently, which is made up of one half of Cabaret Voltaire, the amazing Stephen Mallander. Who you did a collaboration with for the Rough Trade 40th anniversary exactly, last October. Exactly, exactly. And we very are very excited about. Yeah, and we're, 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 we mean to turn that into a record together. Great. So I was just down in Cornwall. So will you be touring with that then? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I love working with them. They're, you know, the band is made up of Stephen Mallander, as I said, and Philip Winter, who had a band uh, called Tongue. Yeah. And then Benj, who has released many track or many many albums under his own name and does wonderful wonderful things with synth- synthesizers as well. So, um, but they're also amazing people to just hang out with, and their love of synthesizers is something that is super inspiring to me. And Benj is an expert in the history of uh, analog synthesis and synthesizers over the decades and. So I've been down there working with them for a week, and then the boys, uh, Philip and Stephen, had to go away. And then Benj and I started working on just uh, playing around with synths and sounds. And very, very inspiring individual to work with. Well, Stephen Mallander, you know, being in the studio down there with one of my ultimate heroes is, is just, you know, just you just find yourself jumping for joy, jumping around the studio. just like It's a, not work, really, is it? Oh, no. There's, no. It's just fun. No, it's just it's just fun all the time. And, um, you know, they're, they're reminding me of the beauty of, you know, how, how incredible it is to work with other people when when you're on the same page and, and under and have the same vision and and love of sound and sound design. And, um, you know, the other day, Benj and I, um, after the other two left, uh, we were in the studio and we just started listening to microphonies you know, which is a huge record for me, uh, was and is and will always be. And um, I'd like to, you know, I remember, <laughs> this is so hilarious, but I remember doing mushrooms one time in, in my little VW bug <laughs> in Parker, Colorado, in the parking lot of a grocery store. <laughs> and I had, there was this guy named Kelly John sitting next to me who was one of the most handsome fuckers you can imagine. And he was he was sort of a, he was this mix between a jock and a new wave dude. And he had this really new wave cut and he was wearing some freaky, cool new wave outfit. So how old were you at this point? Probably 16. And so what did you look like? Were you on, were you? Oh, you know, I, I, th- I thought, you know, being new wave was wearing a, a paisley shirt or something <laughs> like that, you know, new romantic. Or How was your hair? Uh, my hair was, you know, I was always trying to have the cut that Kelly John had. Right, okay. You know, which was, he had that board, straight as a board hair, and the really long bangs okay. parted on the side and swept over to one side, you I know, know in a look. perfect, like just, and then short around the sides and the back. And that was always been the cut that I wanted to have. So I had my hair cut like that, but I had this wavy, wiry, you know, um, steel, what's the, what's the, um, what's that thing you called that you used to... Wash dishes. Oh, a scourer. Yeah, that's the kind of hair I had. You know. <laughs> oh, we call it steel wool. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. steel wool on my head. You know, and so that haircut didn't even work. You know, okay. it just you know, and it, and it wasn't uniform. The curls and the waves, so it just looked like, you know, I gotten caught in a thicket somewhere and you know barely made it out alive. <laughs> that type of thing. So we were sitting there. We were doing mushrooms and and um, I'd never done those before. And we were listening to microphonies on cassette tape in my VW Bug in the grocery store parking lot. What color was the VW Bug? Baby blue. Ah. 
You like a bit of blue, don't you? I do. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I do. Every, every bit of blue. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Because you've just recently painted your new studio, haven't you? And that's blue. Yeah, it's a warm blue. It's a warm blue. Almost approaching periwinkle, periwinkle. which is my favourite shade of blue. Oh, okay. Yeah, quite beautiful. John Grant fact there. <laughs> and uh, so that's the, you know, I was in the studio with Benj, um, and we're down in Cornwall, which, as everyone knows who's been there, is one of the most beautiful places in the world. And um, listening to Do Right and Digital Rasta and some James Brown and some Sensoria and the 12-inch mix of Sensoria, which is, you know, is a amalgamation of, you know, Do Right and Sensoria from the record. It's those two smushed together. Um, is one of the greatest things ever made. So which, Period. which track would you like to play? Let's do... Um, Let's listen to Do Right, shall we? So here's Do Right from Cabaret Voltaire. Um, I know you're gonna love it. Do do right. Do 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 right. Do 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 do. Somewhere 
Yeah, so I was I was looking around for albums today here in the store, things you know to to play, and as I said, you know, woke up feeling a bit melancholy today, um, and I I felt like it would be really nice to hear my favorite Leonard Cohen track, which is called Everybody Knows, and I think it's very, 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 very um, apropos in this day and age probably always has been, but especially right now with, you know, things going on in politics all over the world. And um, if you don't mind, can I just read the lyrics? Sure. Because they're printed here on the back, which yeah. is really good. 
Everybody knows that the dice are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor, the rich get rich. That's how it goes, everybody knows. Everybody knows that the boat is leaking. Everybody knows that the captain lied. Everybody got this broken feeling like their father or their dog just died. Everybody talking to their pockets. Everybody wants a box of chocolates and a long stem rose. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that you love me, baby. Everybody knows that you really do. Everybody knows that you've been faithful, give or take a night or two. Everybody knows you've been discreet, but there were so many people you just had to meet without your clothes. Everybody knows. I mean, come on. Definitely a, just one of the greatest lyricists of all time, obviously. And, and this song is so beautiful. I have to say, I, ha I also have, there's another version of this song done, sung by Jeanette Napolitano, the singer, the amazing singer from Concrete Blonde. And if you don't know Concrete Blonde, you should check him out. It might not be your style, but you will hear one of the all-time greatest voices in rock. And she does a take on this song that is, in my humble opinion, every bit as beautiful as Leonard's. That might be sacrilegious, but, you know, give it a try. So here's Everybody Knows from Leonard Cohen. Everybody knows that the dice are loaded Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed Everybody knows the war is over Everybody knows the good guys lost Everybody knows fight was fixed the poor stay poor the rich get rich that's how it goes everybody knows everybody knows that the boat is leaking everybody knows the captain lied everybody got this broken feeling Just die. Everybody talking to their pockets. Everybody wants a box of chocolates and a long stem rose. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that you love me, baby. Everybody knows that you really do. Everybody knows you've been discreet But there were so many people you just had to meet without your clothes And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it
Since you had um, the book launch last night for Cozy Fanny Tootie's book, mm-hmm. Art, Music, Sex. You want to do a Chris and Cozy? or a I'd like to Cozy do a Chris and Cozy track. Okay. Um, because, you know, that's another band that's part of my musical DNA. That I The sounds, I can't ever get those sounds out of my head, and I don't ever want to. They're so beautiful. And they had, um, this is one of their lesser known tracks. In fact, I think a lot of people aren't even aware of Chris and Cozy. These days, I'm constantly finding people that haven't heard of them. You know, everybody knows about Throbbing Gristle, but a lot of people aren't as familiar with the things that Chris and Cozy did. And that's where I fell in love with them, because I was unfamiliar with Throbbing Gristle. I saw their albums, but I didn't really... Um, it was Chris and Cozy that I discovered first, so I went backwards to Throbbing Gristle after that. But the Chris and Cozy stuff is always what's closest to my heart, and... Um, Particularly the particularly the album uh, Exotica from 1987. Um, that is just a masterpiece. But all of their records were actually. So this song that you're going to be hearing from Chris and Cozy right now is called Retrodect, and it's a lesser known track from them. 
and it is from the Synesthesia EP, which has a bunch of different remixes of that incredible track, from the album Pagan Tango. And uh, this is Retro Decked. Enjoy.
here's a bonus one to get your um <laughs> to get your booty moving. You know, if you need to get your booty moving right now. Yeah. Uh, get your caboose um, going. Uh, <laughs> here's one from Gesaffelstein, a German, um, uh, a German. Just uh, a good excuse to hear you speak some German again. <laughs> yeah. This is from a, a, a German um, band. I think it's I think it's one gentleman. I don't even know. I don't really know anything about the band. I've just discovered the music and don't really know the makeup. And maybe he's from Berlin. Maybe he's not. I'm quite sure he's German. But this is Gesaffelstein with the song Aufstand, which means uprising. And um, yeah, this will get you up and going. Enjoy.
So that's it for shoplifting with John Grant. But before we go, John, just can you tell us what you're gonna what your plans are for the next few months? I know you've got you've got the gig with at the Union Chapel. Yeah. And I know you've just signed a book deal, which we're all very excited about. Mm. Um, what's the uh, is is it a memoir or is it? Uh... It's yeah. It's it's a sort of a literary memoir. It's you know I mean I'm uh, obviously I'll talk about um, you know there'll be this thread of music and and language going yeah. through it. So uh, I'm excited about that. I mean it's it's terrifying. It's a terrifying thing to to do, but it's a really exciting thing, and it's something that I want to do, and I'm gonna do it. It's gonna be great. Well, thank you. And, I hope so. Um, I know there's a film coming. I'm not sure if we can yeah. mention that, but that's yeah. exciting. That's something to look forward to. Yeah, that's but, scary. I hope I don't ever have to see it. Yeah. <laughs> and but how are we going to be hearing a new John Grant album soon? Yeah. I, I, well, I don't know how soon. I mean, the last one was the last one, 2015. Was Grey Tickles uh, Black Pressure 2015? I feel like you are doing Pale Green Ghosts forever. Yeah. Because you just didn't stop touring. Yeah. I mean, not that that was a bad yeah. thing, because we got to see. You Loads, but it does it delay great. things a bit. Yeah, but and then the the next one came quite quickly. It it seemed. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it was. Was it last year? They? I don't or think was it was year last year. I think it was the year yeah, before. Yeah, maybe it was two thousand. Because I spent all the last year touring that record. Yeah. Okay. And so I finished at so the beginning. So you do one. What's that? You do one. Well, sort of, but I mean, I just finished touring this record at the mm. beginning of December two thousand and sixteen. So I've had you know three months now to sort of it's really only been three months since I stopped doing the last record that's how it is in my mind but of course for you know yeah for everybody out there the, it's been since the 2015 people, like yeah. us. Um, and you know so yeah I've, I've already started working on it you know it's and um, I'm really excited about it so I'll be working on that in the months to come and probably get it hopefully um, I'd like to finish it before the year's end and probably 2018 then and are you doing some your are you songwriting for other people? Can you talk about that, or is that? Mm, I have done some some work with other people, but I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about any of it right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, John. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, it's to, just an um, excuse for me to hang out with you. You know that. No. And it, but it's a it's a real pleasure. So thanks for having me, Nina. Thank you. Sure. Bye. Bye. Rough Trade Radio. Little Dragon, Season High. Available in store and online at roughtrade.com. <laughs>